1: Hey, everyone, and thanks for joining me this week. My name is Laura Adams, and I'm a personal finance expert who's been hosting the Money Girl podcast since 2008. I'm also the author of several books, including my most recent title, which was an Amazon number one new release, called Money Smart Solopreneur, a personal finance system for freelancers, entrepreneurs, and side hustlers. So if you're looking to start a business or get a little bit of extra income on the side, I would encourage you to pick it up. There's just incredible information about starting a business how to use your business to invest for retirement with uh, self-employed retirement accounts, all the tax information you need to know, just kind of an A to Z guide to running your own business. So I hope you'll grab a copy of the paperback, ebook, or audiobook today. If you're enjoying Money Girl, I hope you'll subscribe so you get every new episode as soon as it's released. And if you're on social media, connect with me on Twitter at Laura Adams or on Instagram at Laura D Adams. And if you want to learn more about me, my books, my money courses, check out everything at lauradadams.com. And as always, my mission here on the show is to help you get the knowledge and motivation to prioritize your finances build wealth, and have more security and less stress. So every show is designed exclusively for you. Maybe it's a listener question that we cover, something going on in the news, or just something on my mind that I want to talk about. So be sure to subscribe, and I'd love you to participate. I always love getting your money questions and comments. You can do that by leaving a message 24-7 on the voicemail line. Just call 302-364-0308, or you can email me using my contact page at lauradadams.com. All right, today's episode is number 727, called What Does It Mean to Have a Company Vesting Schedule? This is a question that comes up from time to time. Maybe a listener has a new job that comes with vesting uh, and they're just, you know, not sure what that is or how to deal with it. I know that when I was working in the corporate world years ago, I had uh, some opportunities to have benefits that came with vesting schedules, and it is confusing if you're, you know, not familiar with that term or how it works. So, that's what we're going to cover in this show. Also, at the end, I'm going to cover a great listener question. It's not about vesting, but uh, about something else I think that will, will interest you. So, if you are ready to get started, let's start talking. About about company vesting. If you've got a workplace benefits package, some of your perks may come with a vesting schedule or what's called a vesting period. And it's critical to understand how vesting works because you really want to consider that before you decide to leave your job. It may make a big impact in how you consider either staying with your job or whether you want to make a move. So In this podcast, I'm going to explain different types of vesting that you may have and some frequently asked questions about vesting so that you can get the most from your benefits at work. So what does it mean to be vested with a company? Well, vesting is a legal term that applies, you know, in different situations. But when we're talking about workplace, it typically means you've got the right to something. You've got the right to a future payment or a future benefit from your employer. So it's used in maybe your retirement plan language to set a timeline for when participating employees actually earn the right to keep things like employer matching, profit sharing contributions, or even other types of benefits that we'll discuss. So vesting is an employee retention tool that companies can use to keep top talent from leaving. And it can be really helpful in industries where worker turnover is high, or maybe skills are in high demand. So by offering you a financial incentive to stay with a company longer, you may be less likely to job hop. So being vested means that you officially get to keep certain employee benefits If you leave your job, leaving a job or leaving a company before you've worked long enough to be vested does come with some potential negative financial consequences, such as forfeiting employer-provided stock incentives or contributions to your retirement plan. How long a vesting period lasts varies from company to company. Companies can kind of set these up at their will. However, a typical vesting schedule might be from from three to five years. So being fully vested means that you get to keep 100% of the benefits. And if you're partially vested, that means you get to keep a percentage of those benefits based on a predetermined schedule. So based on how long you stay with the company before you leave. Note that you are always 100% vested in your contributions to a retirement plan, no matter when you leave a company. And this is provided by law. It's a federal law called the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, known as ERISA. According to that law, employers cannot take workers' elected contributions to a retirement plan. So again, the, the money that you personally put in from your own paycheck into a retirement plan is always vested. Even if you left the company like a month after you you were there, any money that you put in during that month is yours to keep, it's yours to take with you. But what we're talking about here are the benefits that your employer puts in. So things like the matching and the profit sharing, uh, those are the, the types of contributions that are typically subject to a vesting schedule. So let's talk about that. If you've got a 401k or maybe a 403b at work, how does that work? So as I mentioned, your contributions are always vested, but most companies do have a vesting schedule for their matching contributions. If you get matching at all, you know, it's not a guarantee that a company will match your contributions, but that's a pretty common benefit um, that you, you know, you may be able to get. Sometimes you have to be enrolled in the plan for, let's say, six months or maybe even a year before you're eligible for matching contributions. So, you know, there may be... some requirement for your employment in order to get that benefit. But here's a situation that you might see. Your employer might match your contributions up to 3% of your salary. That would mean if you're earning $60,000 a year and you contribute 3%, that would be $1,800 over a year to your 401k. Your employer would also contribute $1,800 to your retirement plan for the year. Now, some employers may not give you like 100% of that. They may say, we'll match 50% up to, let's say, 5 or 6% of your salary. So the way that the matching is set up can vary from company to company, but that's just an example so you can understand, you know, what a match really means for you. So the company's portion of your retirement account won't be officially yours to keep until you're fully vested. Now, you could be partially vested, and in that case, you would be eligible to keep a percentage of the matched funds. So let's talk about also how this applies to stock options. You also may have stock vesting because some companies offer benefits like stock options or restricted stock units or RSUs. Those might be offered to high-level employees. And because these uh, stock options or units are called restricted, that means they typically come with a vesting schedule. For example, let's say your benefits package gives you 100 RSUs, restricted stock units. You might get to access them on this timeline. Year one, you might get 25 units vested. Year two, 50 units are vested. Year three, 75 units are vested. And year four, all 100 units that you're offered are fully vested. So what that means is if you left the company after working there for two years, you would get to keep 50 of those RSUs and you would forfeit the other 50. And if you left after year three, you would get 75 units. And if you stayed there for more than four years, you would get the, the maximum, the 100 RSUs. So when we're talking about vesting, there are different types of vesting. There are typically graded schedules and a cliff schedule. So let's talk about the difference between those. If you've got a grading vested, that's the most common, and it gives employees benefits gradually over several years. That allows you to own at least some percentage of benefits, even if you leave the company after a year or two. You know, as I mentioned with that RSU example, that's graded over a four-year time period. So again, a typical vesting schedule could be maybe five years. So year one may give you 20% vesting, year two, 40%, year three, 60%, year four, 80%, year five, 100% vesting. So in this case, let's say your employer contributed $20,000 to your 401k as a profit sharing bonus like, you know, you have a really great year and all of the top-level employees are given $20,000 and you get that full amount in your 401k, you would have to stay over five years to get that full amount. But if you left during year three, according to that schedule that I just laid out for you, you would get to keep the prior year's vesting of 40%. So if you leave during the middle of the year, during year three, The vesting would apply for the prior year. So whatever the vesting is for the prior year, I mentioned that after year two, you would be 40% vested. So that means you would get to keep 40% of that amount, which would be $8,000. So 40% of the $20,000 profit share would allow you to take $8,000 with you if you left before you were fully vested. So cliff vesting is very different. With that, it happens all at once. Like, you know, imagine a cliff, you just drop over that cliff and all of a sudden you're vested. That happens all at once rather than gradually over time. For instance, your employer may require you to stay with a company for three years to become fully vested and not offer you any partial vesting if you leave before that time period. But once you complete the three years of service, 100% of your employer matching contributions or profit sharing would be yours. Uh, so if you leave the company before completing three years, you would get to keep none of those benefits. But after three years, you get to keep all of them. So again, that's cliff vesting. C-L-I-F-F VESTING.
0: Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential.
1: Hey there! I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, Freakonomics Radio. Every week, host and best-selling author Stephen Dubner dives into the hidden side of business, economics, and so much more. He interviews CEOs, historians, and Nobel laureates to explore all kinds of topics, like why the best employees can make the worst bosses and how whales went from being economic engines to environmental icons. If you're a curious person looking to better understand the world around you, you'll find everything you're looking for on Freakonomics Radio. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Now, if you've got a question about your company's vesting schedule, I would encourage you to consult your HR department or your benefits administrator, or even a financial advisor who can help you evaluate your benefits. It can be really important to understand these when you're evaluating leaving your company, maybe taking a new job offer. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. I'm going to go through some frequently asked questions about company vesting. So, What happens if you leave a company before you're vested? This is a common question. So if you leave a company before you're vested, you may forfeit some or all of your employer's benefits, like profit sharing, matching contributions, and even stock options. The exact amount you'd have to give up depends on your company's schedule. For instance, if you're 80% vested, you would own 80% of the benefits that are subject to a vesting period, and your employer would take back the remaining. 20 percent. Another question that comes up is, well, how do you know if you're fully vested in your company's 401k? There are a few ways to find out if you're fully vested. One is just to log into your 401k or your 403b online account and check out your balance. You should see entries for not only your contributions, but your employer's matching contributions, if they give you any and your vested balance. Now, if the vested amount matches what your employer has put in, that means you're fully vested. But if the vested amount doesn't match what they've put in, that means that, you know, you're not fully vested. But the vested balance will show how much you currently own. So if you were to leave the company today, that's how much of the benefits would be officially yours. Another way to know if you're fully vested is just, as I mentioned, to contact your HR department. Your representative or your benefits administrator can definitely give you the details on your benefits and any vesting schedules. You can also check your employee records. Your uh, 401k plan document should include any vesting schedule in the language in that document. All right, another question that comes up is, well, is the company match worth it? if I'm not going to be fully vested. So maybe you know you're not going to stay with a company, like, if it's a cliff vest at three years or, you know, you know there's a gradual vesting period over five or six years and you know you're not going to stay with a company that long, you may think, well, you know, should I even participate in the 401k and get the match if, you know, I know that I'm not going to be able to take 100% of it with me when I leave. Well, I would say something is better than nothing. Uh, My answer is that employer matching, that's free money, and that can definitely grow over time. So it's still a valuable benefit, even if you only end up with a portion of it when you leave the company. Plus, some company vesting schedules may only last a short period. It could be, you know, just one or two years. So I would say be sure to contribute enough to your retirement plan to max out any employer match, You know, no matter what you think your future plans are, and plans can change, you never know what may happen. Another question that comes up is, well, is it okay to leave my job if I'm not fully vested? In some situations, it may make sense to leave a job before you're fully vested, even if it means losing some or all of your benefits. For instance, if you get a job offer that's $20,000 higher but your vested balance is 15000 you would come out ahead by taking the new job in most cases. But just be sure to consider your total benefits package with the new job, including the commute time, if there's any, and future opportunities that you may or may not have, and other factors before leaping to a new company. All right, I hope that helps you understand vesting a little bit more and now I want to cover a question that came in from Candace M. She says, Hi, Laura. I've been listening to your podcast for a long time and truly appreciate all the wonderful things I've learned over the years. Thank you. I have a credit card through my credit union that I pay off in full every month. My credit union only raises the credit limit if I request it, which I haven't done because I only charge small amounts that are paid off in full each month. However, I will be traveling for business soon, and I want to make sure I have enough on that credit line for anything needed, especially since most expenses will be reimbursed. If I pay off my card in full a few times during the month, does that raise my credit utilization ratio if the total amount of charges are higher than 30% of the limit? For example, if I've got a $1,000 credit limit and accumulate charges of $700, which are paid off in full a few days later, and then I charge another $500 in the same month and also pay that off before the due date, I would then have actually charged a total of $1,200 that month, which is $200 above my credit limit. I know I wouldn't end up with interest charges because all those amounts would have been paid off before the due date. But is my credit utilization too high in the eyes of the credit bureaus? even if I pay everything off in full before the due date. I want to be sure to keep my utilization under 20%. So should I get another credit card before my trip or maybe call my credit union to raise my credit limit? Thanks in advance for your help. Candice, thanks so much. This is a great question. And, you know, it really depends on when your credit card balance gets reported to the credit bureaus. If they happen to report it on a date when you've got a high balance, then your credit utilization ratio would go up significantly, and that could hurt your credit. So I like the idea of paying off the balance, you know, sort of more in weekly increments, rather than just waiting to the end of the month. However, that doesn't guarantee that it will keep your credit utilization ratio low. And as you mentioned, that 20% number is kind of the sweet spot where you want to be. So my advice would be to do both. I would encourage you to get a second credit card so you can spread out your charges on multiple cards instead of risking maxing out one card. And I would also ask for that credit limit increase from your credit union. That can only help help you. That can only increase your credit score uh, by having more available credit. So I would recommend that you do both of those things. And you know, especially especially if you're using the card responsibly as you are and, you know, you know you're going to have increased expenses that are going to be reimbursed. Using your credit card is, you know, a really wise way to manage those expenses. So, Candice, I hope that helps. I would encourage you to increase your credit limit any way you can. Requesting it is great, but also applying for a new card will just, you know, ensure that you've got multiple ways to handle those expenses. And it'll also give you an extra card if for some reason there's a problem with one of your cards. Um, having more than one card is just a good way to manage all those expenses. And I believe it will definitely help you keep your credit score uh, high and, and maintain a high score over time. So thank you, Candace, so much for your question. And I would refer- you to podcast number 660 called How Many Credit Cards Should You Have for Good Credit Uh, if you want to go a little bit deeper into this topic. Before we go, I want to invite you to join my free private Facebook group called Dominate Your Dollars. It's a fantastic group of people who are asking great questions, helping each other, and achieving their financial goals through the support of other people, which I love. So you can just search for the group. Again, it's Dominate Your Dollars. Search for the group on Facebook, and I will see you in the group. And before we go, I want to remind you to visit lauradadams.com to find my contact page and more about me, my book, and online courses. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, here's to living a richer life. Money Girl is a quick and dirty tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg with editing by Adam Cecil. Our advertising operations specialist is Morgan Christensen, and our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Totlin.
0: Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away.